you're putting your inner body and there's this temporary relief so you're high but as soon as that high goes away what ends up happening is you're more susceptible to increased levels of anxiety and stress i'm leon gidry and this is the brother be well podcast brought to you by elevate youth california and funded through proposition 64 Get ready for real talk on effective solutions for mental health and sustainable wellness for boys and men of color. Listen up, brothers. I have been addicted to caffeine, so I'm not negating, I'm not ignoring the fact that you can be addicted to caffeine, but um, I don't think it's the same thing. What do y'all think? Let's start there. We're already rolling. Let's, let's, the, is it, is it really, I mean, some people view, like we were talking about it that earlier, that party of mine, you're sitting around now, that didn't used to be the case. You used to go into a back room to kind of smoke a joint and hide that. Now it's legal. You know, I was, I was at a stoplight today and my window was down and the, you know, a cloud blew in the guy in the car next to me was smoking weed. And so now it's so prevalent. What are y'all's thoughts about how prevalent it is? And it might be leading to a, a larger number of people that wind up either in, in Joseph's office or an office of a mental health clinician or they're at the doctor's office. What do y'all think? Is it is it something we need to be even more concerned about today than we were yesterday? I, I can go, but yeah, with I, that, that's a that's a kind of weird analogy when you said it, when you compared, when your friend said that you compared weed to caffeine, but when you look back on it, I'm like, it's true because it's more accessible. Anyone can do it, use it. And in some cases, you can get it prescribed by a doctor. And so I think it's it's one of those things where you have to realize that this is like an extremely accessible drug to everyone. Everyone can use it. There's a variety of way to do it, like uh, different forms, like you need it or just like the generally smoking and stuff like that or different types of ways of smoking it. So it's kind of it's it's. I feel like we should be concerned because there's so many different outlets for it now than there ever was. And, and there probably just end up being more and more and more as it continues. Yeah. We, you know, we, we keep it real here, brother. Be well, we're talking about marijuana use and addiction. And so let's, let's maybe just ask a quick question for, for those of us who are comfortable. I'm certainly comfortable. Show of hands. If you have used or are using marijuana on a regular basis. So most of us have, at the very least, four four out of six. So even in this room, so two-thirds of the people here have used marijuana. And, and I know this isn't a scientific, <laughs> that's not a scientific survey, but if you think two-thirds of the American population, now, or the state of California, we're coming out of California, is legal here. If I thought two-thirds of all legal adults are, are using cannabis, that's a scary number. Joseph, are you a little disturbed by that? Yes, uh, you know, based on the, the science that's, that's there's more and more science coming out um, as it becomes more prevalent and it's easier to conduct controlled studies and longitudinal studies. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's definitely concerning. Just to, to drop a little bit of uh, science and research, uh, we're seeing more and more research coming out that's showing a, a correlation between uh, early onset schizophrenia and early substance use or marijuana or cannabis use. Uh, so that, that's concerning. Um, we, we know that there is uh, a correlation between short-term memory loss, long-term memory uh, functioning in marijuana use. So when we're seeing, you know, uh, just in our group, two-thirds, and, uh, and, and I could speak for the state of California as of uh, a couple of years ago, uh, we were seeing about 30 to 50% of high school students uh, confirming active use of marijuana. So 
Um, it, it doesn't look like it's going anywhere, uh, but th there's definitely a, a psychological and physical health concern. We got it. And I almost wish we had one of our nurses, one of the Capital City Black Nurses Association, that they could chime in on how it affects the body. You've already touched on a little bit how it affects the brain, Joseph. You mentioned schizophrenia. Some people might not know what that is. Can you describe, can you define that really quickly? What are we talking about when we say early onset schizophrenia? So, so early onset schizophrenia is, well, let me talk about schizophrenia a little bit. Um, it's typically characterized, uh, it's a, considered a psychotic disorder uh, where you develop uh, hallucinations and delusions um, and hear like auditory things and, and it's, you know, you're, it's almost kind of like an out of body, not in reality experience. And the early onset piece of that, um, that we're seeing the connection to in, in folks that are, you know, using marijuana, you know, in their teens, early, you know, adolescence, young adulthood is where it, I mean, we don't know if it's, if it's catapulting or if it's something that they're predisposed to, but it's happening at earlier ages than what we would typically see, uh, in the normal population. And that's where we're seeing that connection between, okay, folks that are using marijuana and they're, they're developing, you know, uh, schizophrenic symptoms and even a full blown schizophrenic disorder in their mid twenties, early thirties, uh, when otherwise we, we, they may not have, if there wasn't some, uh, marijuana use. And just to be clear, Joseph, schizophrenia, uh, tends to show up in a, at about that age range. So are we saying it's showing up earlier or yes. more people are having it or both? Both. Yep. Showing up earlier and uh, more folks are are presenting with it. You know, one of the things that um, and not to you know take over the whole deal, but I think it's important for us to understand, too, um, that we're, what we're seeing, we're seeing different marijuana, we're seeing different cannabis, different potencies out there um, where uh, I think one of the most recent um, studies showed that it's up to 20 times more potent than it was in the 60s and 70s. So it's not the same thing that we were seeing before where you may see people that have been, you know, long time, life, lifelong smokers, uh, you know, smoking weed, smoking joints, uh, and you're not seeing the same types of symptoms. Whereas we're seeing, you know, much stronger strains being out there uh, and the types of, of, of weed that people are smoking, that it's creating a much more significant issue. You read my mind, Joseph, and we're gonna pull our young people in in just one second, but you read my mind. Um, we learned from Roland Williams over the summer during our Youth Substance Use Academy, Youth Substance Use Prevention Academy, about the strength of cannabis today compared to past generations. And it reminded me when I was in college, I tried weed for the first time, and I, it had no effect on me at all. I was the unlucky guy. I didn't get the munchies. Friends of mine would smoke a couple of joints, and then they're ordering pizza and going crazy and laughing and whatever. It had no effect on me at all. So fast forward a few decades, I didn't think much about cannabis being legal because I said, you know, I, have, I must need quite a lot. I had one edible that was a little too strong for my constitution. Dudes, I was, I was out. I couldn't have driven. I couldn't walk down the street. And that's when, that's when I began to realize this is a whole different kind of cannabis than, than what past generations used to deal with. I want to pull our young people in because a couple of y'all, at the very least, three of you, I believe, said you had done this before. So one of you that, that either has used or used, why don't you talk about it a little bit through the lens of addiction? How close, if you're comfortable talking about it, did you find yourself developing a dependence or an addiction on this drug? I, I talked to another young person over the weekend, and she says she uses it as a, as a regular sort of wind down. If she if she's had a hard day, 
She doesn't do cardio like I do. I jump on my bike and wear myself out. She she reaches for a joint. And that was a red flag for me. If you're learning to manage uh, stress from, you know, we're all stressed with our work days or school. But if you on a regular basis are managing that with a substance, that was a flag for me. One of you that used cannabis a little bit. Talk a little bit about how you used it and how close you may or may not have come to addiction. I can go. Um, so growing up, I usually just did it occasionally, like at parties or at events. But once the pandemic happened, I tend to start using it a lot more because there was not a lot to do, right? Everything was shut down, closed down. But 2020, I became like a heavy marijuana smoker. Um, 2021, I started trying to get out that habit, started going to the gym, working and other things because things started opening up. But I tend to smoke a lot more during the summer because things are nice, right? People are, are like smoking a lot more during during the summer than the winter. Mm-hmm. Well, I tend not to like smoke back to back or be addicted to it as much as like before, like in 2020, you know? Yeah. And you mentioned 2020. So can we assume it was related to COVID? Yes. Yeah. We all developed habits. I think that maybe we could have found better habits. I, I just talked to somebody who learned a language during the shelter in place orders. She learned how to speak Italian during shelter in place. And I thought, well, I, I did edibles and M&Ms. I, I, was, I was eating my way through COVID and I was dealing with it in different ways. And wow, what if I'd have taken that time and done something really productive? So I think a lot of us did that during COVID. Somebody else that's used cannabis before, talk about um, how, how close you may or may not have come to, to forming a dependence on this thing. Um, I can go. Uh, for me, I think I first started it with one of my old um, um, roommates. So we were roommates for two years. That first year, he didn't smoke anything. Um, I didn't smoke anything either. I remember I didn't try alcohol. didn't have a, my own bottle of alcohol until I was in college uh, after I was 21. So I was never in the habit of um, like using or drinking alcohol. And then he comes in the next year that we go back to the dorm. And then he's like smoking now. And then he's telling me, hey, do you want to like come outside with me and smoke? And then I will... I always said, no, it's not my thing. Uh, but I uh, I was curious in a way. So like everyone, like like how you said, Michael, like you didn't smoke until or didn't have an edible until you were in college. I just wanted to have like that that thing. Like, oh, I, I did it. I know if I like it. I know if I don't. But um, so I ended up like going with him one day um, with it, not like one joint that he had. But after that, I didn't feel like it was my thing. So it's like sodas. I remember as a kid, I used to finish like a three liter soda, maybe in like one day or a day and a half, maybe like that. It wasn't too hard for me. So I would, I used to drink a lot of soda, a lot of sweets. And then now I see a soda and then I don't feel like I, I need it. It's like nothing that I would like pray for. It's nothing that I would go for in the fridge. If I had other options like water, juice, anything else, something healthier, I would grab the other options. So I feel like um, addiction for me, um, it, I don't really get, it doesn't really get to me either in alcohol or any other substances because of once we did that one time, I was always like, um, this is not my thing. It doesn't catch my attention. So I'll just leave it 
um, on its own on the side by itself, never touch it. Right. Do you do you have Axel? Are there any? Um, if if you don't mind disclosing, are, do you have anyone that struggles with addiction in your family? In my family, no. But I do uh, know like um, acquaintances from like high school or outside or friends from college, and they might not accept that it's an addiction. But it's like how you said, like going home after work, after being tired, get to relax. They right. go for a joint, they go like take a dab of their pen or something like that. Right. Yeah. Instead of like going to the gym or watching TV, reading a book, anything, any other options. Yeah. And we're going to, I'm going to, I'm going to ask you a question related to this in one second, Joseph. The reason I asked Axel about, um, uh, if there was a member of your family, we know that addiction, there's a familiar link between us and addiction is that correct joseph if if we got a, a an addict in our family we're more predisposed to addiction is that accurate yeah that's accurate and it's accurate for a number of reasons um we we know there's a genetic predisposition which is um when someone may be more prone to addiction genetically uh, the other thing when it comes to family though is is what do the influences look like what are, what's being modeled for you um and then and it may not necessarily mean that we're, you know, young people are watching family members growing up using drugs or smoking or drinking, um, but it could also be how are they learning to cope with what's going on in the family? And then if drugs and alcohol is a way that they're observing peers or other family members um, being able to manage, you know, intense emotions or trauma, then then that could create another another link, uh, another layer of, of um, you know, of a risk factor. Yeah. That's what exactly read my mind again. That's exactly what I was going to get at. Uh, Valentin, you mentioned your father was an alcoholic. Mine was too. And so I I learned, and I, I think I'm going to share with you guys, I know we're talking about marijuana, but I got very, very close to becoming an, an alcoholic because I, I think some would argue that it's in my genes and it might be, probably is. But I, I realized, thank God, through therapy that I had watched my father manage stress with alcohol. And I didn't even realize I was picking that up as a habit. Valentin, you're a, you're a parent. You know this. Uh, Joseph, you're a parent as well. So some of us have children. Our kids, they watch everything. And even when they don't think you're watching, they're watching. And and I would even argue that with peer groups, you know, we we pick up habits from peers that we don't even really realize. And then before you know it, you're, you're doing a vape pipe or you're smoking a joint or, or you've dabbled in edibles and you got to really be careful and, and make sure you're not leaning into that substance in a in an unhealthy way any more than you would any other substance so any comments about that or any uh first-hand experiences with with any of that how about you eric we haven't heard much from you today eric uh, characteristically what do you think about about that point you know it's you do pick up habits is what i, I was like you know You'll you surround yourself with people and uh, you be with them long enough, you'll pick up some things. You'll you'll notice that you started to I don't know. Let's say your friend influences you to wake up early, so you notice you wake up early more. You know stuff like that. But in terms of substance like abuse and stuff like that, you can you can definitely be influenced by that. I have my family's filled with um, it's mainly uh, pot smokers and some of them drink, and I've just been like you know surrounded by that at a young age, and you know. Thankfully, I haven't, you know, picked it up as a habit, but I know some family members who have and they've picked up drinking, they've picked up smoking. And sometimes they even smoke together as like, you know, when they get to family gatherings, you know, they roll one up or they drink. And it's kind of like you it's it's sad to see that 
you know, you're predisposed to it as well, but it's just like, if you surround yourself with a bunch of things, you'll just eventually fall into the hole. And sometimes you can't get out, but sometimes you can, it's just kind of, it's sad to see like family members go through that or friends as well. And sometimes habits can be good. And sometimes habits can be bad that you pick up. They can be, they can be. And I don't mean to pick on you, but I got a follow-up question for you, Eric, because we talked about family members and picking up habits. You said you've got family members that a lot of family members, I think you just said that use cannabis, use marijuana. You haven't done that. How and why do you think you've done that? Because you might have the key. We, we, we've we got one of these you speaks about peer pressure. I don't think, you know, we, we didn't talk about familiar pressure as, as strong as peer pressure could be. Someone in your family could be having an influence on you, positive and negative, and you don't even realize it. So can you can you dig a little deeper? Why do you think you didn't succumb to that same habit that so many people in your direct circle were? People were smoking and you you haven't done that. You know, I can't really like, you know, sit here and say like, oh, I did it because, you know, I just I, I just I really wanted to do it. I I did have a feeling that I wanted to do it. So I can't, you know, say that, oh, I just knocked it off the entire time. But as to the reason why I didn't fall to it, I, I honestly I saw what it did and I just knew that I didn't want to turn out that way. Like also another thing to uh, smoking weed uh, when it comes to that, uh, it's expensive. So. I knew I just didn't want to dish out the money to do that constantly because I know addiction can be expensive. So that's one of the things that I saw because you would see like how much money they're spending on it or they're spending on it daily. And it's it's just something that I just never wanted to do. As to why I never did it, multiple factors. But at the end of the day, I just frankly don't know. That's a that's a good point, though. We haven't touched on that. Uh, a marijuana uh, habit or, or addiction or dependence or wherever you're at in that spectrum can be expensive. Uh, one of those young people I just told you guys about, I'm mentoring, I'm, I'm one of her mentors. She told me she spends $300 a month on cannabis. Did that, that surprised me because this is the same person who, who will talk about, you know, oh, I don't have money for this and I don't have money for that and I'm so broke and I'm not making light of it. But I thought you spend $300 a month on this substance that you're, that it seems you're addicted to. Any comments about that? Did it, does it surprise anybody else? Am I not on the street? I don't know. I don't know how much this stuff costs. I guess, huh? It, it it tends to add up after a while. Um, like me myself, I wouldn't do it for the same reasons because, like, I didn't have money like that growing up. So I it tends to stay away from it. Like when people walk for me, sometimes I'll say yes, sometimes I'll say no. But like for myself, like I I tend I tended to I started hustling. And high school, right? Because I didn't have like money coming in in any way from my family or anything. So, like, don't get high off your own supply is kind of like what I lived by during high school. Don't get high off your own supply. That's easy to remember. Appreciate you sharing that, uh, Valentine. Before we got to take off here, Joseph, a question for you. I, I saw an article that talked about the link between, um, stress and anxiety and cannabis use. And it, it there was a whole section of the article where these young people talked about the pressures in their own life. I, I talked about that young person that I know that was stressed during the day. And then she she felt like that helped her calm down. This was an article that said a lot of young people and older people even are, are depending on uh, or looking to rather cannabis to help them manage anxiety. You're a mental health clinician, a licensed marriage and family therapist. Can you maybe suggest to us um, 
another way or two to manage anxiety that wouldn't be turned into a joint or to an edible. You know, that's going to be dependent on the person. Uh, you know, one of the sad truths about that is, is that it's, it's a very short-term relief that in turn increases your anxiety and stress levels. Um, chemically and, and physiologically, that's what's happening is you're putting, you're in, putting it in your body and there's this temporary relief. So you, you're high, but as soon as that high goes away, what ends up happening is you're more uh, susceptible to increased levels of anxiety and stress. So that's one of the things that I encourage people to understand is the more you do it, the more you're going to increase the, the likelihood that you're going to have even more severe, more severe anxiety and stress. Um, so some, some very simple uh, strategies and, and some of the guys here I know have talked about some of the ones they, they've used for other things in their life is, is exercise, you know, uh, finding uh, activities that you enjoy engaging in. Uh, definitely the people in your circle um, are going to have a heavy influence. You know, we, you know, one of our other uh, topics, we talked about peer pressure and the, the positive peer pressure, you know, finding things that are healthy activities, uh, whether it's a physical, psychological, um, some people may be against it, but I mean, I think video games, um, I've worked with a lot of folks that's saved their life. Um, so activities that are stimulating, that you enjoy, uh, it could be nature, uh, going for walks, there's so many things. Uh, and I think people don't give enough things a try to, to see what's going to work. And you also have to have an arsenal. It can't just be one thing that's, that's going to be your saving grace. You got to have some more tools in your tool belt. If you don't feel like going for a walk, if that's an effective thing, uh, then what's something that you can do inside and having, you know, kind of a, an array of different activities that you can engage in, uh, that are enjoyable that ultimately are distracting you from managing stress or anxiety in an unhealthy way. And don't lead to have absolutely no chance of leading to any type of addiction. That's a, a great final tip of yours, Joseph, having an arsenal for me, swimming. So when the weather's warm, Valentin, you were talking about you tend to smoke more in the summer, pop more in the summer. If, if it's warm, if I can go swimming and get in water, that, that'll alleviate all the anxiety. Well, here, once it gets cool and I can't be in the pool or at the beach or whatever, I have to work to make that pivot. So we got to come up with things to help us manage that. The, whatever issue is leading us, it might not be anxiety, but whatever is leading us to want to over and buy maybe in, in cannabis or pot, we got to find other ways to manage that. Almost out of time. So I, you know, y'all know how I like to, to throw it to the youth for some final thoughts. First, Joel, let's start out with you. What, what, what's the, you know, you got 30 seconds for if somebody's watching this and they're thinking about, you know, they maybe they're a casual marijuana user. Maybe they're just thinking about it. What would you have to say to somebody who who is um, looking to begin a journey with cannabis based on maybe what you know from the Summer Institute? Yeah, um, I would say don't let um, other people or friends influence you. And definitely just, you know, let your body fully develop before you decide to experiment with anything. Mm -hmm. Love it. Thank you, sir. How about you, Valentine? I'll say um, you're the one that controls, so don't let it control you. Um, and just be smart about the decisions you make, because it not only does it affect you, but it affects the ones around you. Really love that. Always think to somebody else. How about you, Axel? Any final thoughts for us? Yeah, I would say stay away from it as long as you can, but if you can't, um, as Valentin said, don't let it be in control of you. 
you be the one in control of it so you don't uh, fall into addiction. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Eric, we'll wrap with you from the youth perspective. Make sure that, like uh, Joel said, let your body fully develop. And at the end of the day, if your body doesn't react well to it, don't force it. Don't don't try to think you can do it or don't fall into the trends of, oh, I have to do it. Just if it's not for you, it's not for you. And just make sure that at the end of the day, you stay safe. And as Axel and Valentin said, don't let it control you. And, and uh, if I can continue that, uh, Eric, don't be crazy enough present company included if the joint if, if it doesn't affect you don't smoke three more joints to try to get high maybe that's the universe trying to tell you to stop for you so if i could go back to that younger version of myself i say you know you're not missing out on much you can figure out another way to enjoy the rest of your day axel valentine joel uh eric really want to thank y'all four of our youth from brother be well i want to thank you for your time and uh joseph mealy with hearyou.org our, our mental health clinician for the day thank y'all guys really appreciate it and I want to thank you for checking this video out, this, this You Speak video. If you've enjoyed it, if you've been intrigued, if you want to hear more about this topic or any one of a number of behavioral health topics, go to brotherbewell.com. While you're there, we're a membership-supported service, so join as a member. It's free. Sign up for our blog. All we need is your email address. Become a part of the Brother Be Well family at brotherbewell.com. My name is Michael P. Coleman, content director for Brother Be Well. I want to thank you for being with us. Three quick things I'm going to ask you to do. Take care of yourself. Take care of somebody else and come back soon. Talk to you later. Bye. This has been the Brother Be Well podcast. I'm Leon Guidry. This project is supported by Elevate Youth California and funded through Proposition 64. We're all about reducing disparities, preventing substance abuse and ending prolonged suffering. Be sure to subscribe to our blog and join us next time. Keep it moving, family.